Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, January 31st. I'm Andrea Linares, and these are today's headlines. In a fateful decision, Senator Lamar Alexander announcing he will vote against allowing witnesses in the impeachment trial of President Trump. That trial could soon come to a quick end. As the coronavirus outbreak grows worse, the United Kingdom confirms its first case of the deadly illness, while 62 different countries have now placed immigration controls on Chinese citizens. And the number of soldiers suffering traumatic brain injuries after an Iranian missile attack now growing to 64. This and much more today on You News, recorded live from our newsroom in Miami. And we begin today with police investigating an incident near President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach in Florida. Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office deputies are blocking the Southern Boulevard Bridge that connects Palm Beach to West Palm Beach. Several police and sheriff's vehicles could be seen just outside a home on that island. Trump is actually scheduled to spend Super Bowl weekend in Palm Beach. We'll be following this story. And late on Thursday, one of the key four senators, Tennessee's Lamar Alexander, announced he will not vote for witnesses in the trial of President Trump. That decision sending shockwaves across Capitol Hill. Even though Alexander says he believes President Trump's behavior was inappropriate, he does not believe it's an impeachable offense. The trial now moves one step closer to its conclusion. Thank you very much. Senator Lamar Alexander leaving the Capitol late last night after announcing he will oppose calling additional witnesses in the president's impeachment trial. In a statement, he says there's no need for more evidence to prove something that has already been proven. And while he calls the president's actions inappropriate, he says it does not meet the Constitution's high bar for an impeachable offense. Lamar's decision, it's an offense against the Senate, it's an offense against the rule of law, and it's, it's, a, it's an offense against the American people. The American people will never know the true facts. But Republican Senator Susan Collins says she will vote to allow witnesses. So will Senator Mitt Romney. And Senator Lisa Murkowski is still on the fence. She submitted a question to the Chief Justice that struck to the heart of the witness debate. Why should this body not call Ambassador Bolton? And this was Trump team's answer for why he should not be called to testify. The House could have pursued Ambassador Bolton. They chose not to subpoena him. Democratic leaders were hoping for four Senate Republicans to vote alongside them on the issue. Without Alexander's vote, the uh, Senate can move quickly toward an acquittal. I think it's time to vote. I'm ready to vote. This president, next president, can abuse their power all they want as long as they think their re-election is in the national interest. I think our founders would be aghast that anyone would make that argument on the floor of the Senate. President Trump at a rally in Iowa Thursday night seeming unworried. But the Democrats are trying to overturn the last election. We will make sure that they face another crushing defeat. And some new reporting at this time. Administration and congressional officials are raising the possibility that this trial could last until next week. Word coming that if the witness vote fails, there could be more procedural votes that would direct how this trial wraps up. 
This could potentially mean a final verdict might not happen until Wednesday after the Iowa caucuses and the State of the Union address on Tuesday night. And now to help analyze the latest with the impeachment trial of President Trump, let's go to Michael Fuchs. He's a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. I want to begin by asking you about the new reporting, new information coming in from the New York Times. It says John Bolton's book manuscript describes President Trump directing him to help with his Ukraine pressure campaign in early May, so much earlier. Now, that meeting also involving uh, Mick Mulvaney, Rudy Giuliani and White House counsel Pat Cipollone, who now leads the president's impeachment defense. But the president just came out saying that this meeting never happened. He denies it. Will this reporting have any impact, perhaps, on how the senators will vote? Well, you'd like to think it would, but based on what's happened over the last few weeks in this impeachment trial, it seems highly unlikely. The facts are very clear. Uh, over the last six months, we've discovered uh, that President Trump did, in fact, uh, attempt to extort Ukraine uh, in order to try to smear his political rival. Um, and even to last night, you saw Republican Senator Lamar Alexander in his statement saying that he was going to vote against calling more witnesses said that the House managers uh, prosecuting the case had made their case. Uh, he agreed with them that they had made the case, that the president, in fact, had done what he is accused uh, of doing, but that he believed that it did not somehow uh, amount to an impeachable uh, crime. And so, again, this, is, this new revelation is yet another confirmation uh, that we know President Trump is guilty, uh, but Republican senators uh, have made it very, very clear uh, that it is not going to persuade them, I think. It will take 51 votes in the Senate to either approve or block calling witnesses. In the event of a tie, can Chief Justice John Roberts break that tie? So, yes, the general understanding is that as the presiding officer of the Senate, in the case of a 50-50 tie, the presiding officer, uh, in this case, uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts, could break that tie uh, instead of, of course, the usual role that is played as the presiding officer is the, by the vice president, who's not the presiding officer, obviously, in this case. He could, like uh, in normal Senate circumstances, decide to cast a vote to break the tie. Uh, but most people believe that yeah, he would not do so. It would be um, potentially, uh, obviously, politicizing the court is the way some people would uh, view it. Um, others, I think, perhaps rightfully view it um, as uh, doing what a judge is supposed to do uh, in trials, which is rendering judgment on key questions like whether or not there should be more witnesses. Uh, and so I think that there are some senators uh, and people who do believe that it is right uh, and proper for the chief justice to cast a deciding vote if it were to come to that. Um, so, yes, it is very much in Senate, uh, Chief Justice Roberts' hands if it were to be a 50-50 vote. He can, but it's pretty much highly unlikely. So moving on now, Trump's attorney said House Democrats chose not to pursue Bolton's testimony. Was that the case? No, that was, uh, of course, not the case. Um, as uh, House lead House uh, manager, impeachment manager Adam Schiff pointed out in response to that question, 
they in fact gave not only invited Bolton to speak, but gave multiple opportunities uh, for in different ways for uh, John Bolton to uh, come speak uh, before Congress. And what Adam Schiff made very clear, like with a number of other uh, witnesses, that the administration uh, blocked from coming to testify before the House impeachment uh, process, uh, the House managers made it very clear that they had the evidence they needed to move forward, and they were not going to allow the White House to hold them up in an endless process in the courts that would extend uh, far beyond and potentially even past uh, the next election. Um, and they saw this as an urgent need. And so they absolutely tried to get Bolton uh, to testify, but also move forward because they recognized that they had the evidence that they needed to move forward. Now, President Trump may be acquitted rather quickly. What will be the impact on the upcoming elections and also American politics in general? In other words, is this setting a precedent? Well, I think it, if he is, in fact, acquitted, I think it will be, unfortunately, a dark day for uh, American democracy. Um, I think that it shows, it would go to show that the president, uh, if he controls enough support uh, in Congress to protect him, um, can be above the law. Again, even just you need to look at, you only need to look at Senator Alexander's statement claiming and agreeing with the manager, House manager's case that what the president did uh, was wrong, that they had proved uh, their case. And so I think going forward, the real fear is, of course, that the president in the upcoming election tries to do what he did in the last election and has already tried to do in this election, which is to invite foreign interference uh, to help his campaign. Um, I think that also, obviously, this is going to be a very, very central issue when it comes to the election. Uh, I think it's angering, obviously, the, you know, the lack of action against President Trump here is angering a lot of people. Um, and, of course, President Trump is going to, as he did last night in his rally, try to use this, I think, to, to rally his base. And so I think that regardless of what the outcome is, um, you're going to see this play a, a key role in the, uh, in the next handful of months up until the election. Well, thanks so much for your time, Michael Fuchs, and for analyzing this subject matter. My pleasure. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in Ukraine meeting with President Zelensky and Foreign Minister Prisiaiko. Pompeo says he intends to highlight America's support for Ukraine during his visit, and this comes as the Senate continues what may be the final stretch of the impeachment trial of President Trump. Now, remember, Ukraine is at the heart of this impeachment process. Trump is accused of pressuring Ukraine to investigate his political rival, Joe Biden. Pompeo's visit was originally postponed because of the situation in Iraq, and an administration official says the timing of the trip has nothing to do with the impeachment trial. Back on Capitol Hill, the House voted Thursday to approve two measures intended to restrict President Trump's ability to take military action against Iran. It's the latest effort by Democrats to reassert traditional congressional authority amid simmering tensions with the country. One measure would prohibit funds for military offensive attacks against or in Iran without congressional authorization. The other would repeal the 2002 authorization for the use of military force in Iraq. The measures face an unclear fate in the Republican-controlled Senate. And we are learning today that 64 U.S. military personnel have now been diagnosed with traumatic brain injuries following an Iranian missile attack in Iraq earlier this month. That's 14 more than the number of casualties the Pentagon released earlier this week. Of the 64 cases so far, 39 have returned to duty. 
About 200 people were in the blast zone at the time of this attack. Medical experts say more are likely to be diagnosed with brain injuries in the coming days because it is often, it takes many times more days for these injuries to actually show up. And now to a growing outbreak and growing fear. The coronavirus has now been declared a global health emergency as a number of confirmed cases worldwide jumped by 2,000 in just one day. The total now standing at around 10,000 cases. This as both American Airlines and Delta suspend all flights to and from China. Lorraine Gassides has the latest on this. The coronavirus has now sparked a red alert from the State Department. Americans being asked not to travel to China due to the public health threat. On Thursday, the World Health Organization declaring a public health emergency. We have witnessed the emergence of a previously unknown pathogen, which has escalated into an unprecedented outbreak. Officials hailing China's efforts to contain the outbreak, but fearing the potential havoc it could cause in other countries. Only way we will defeat this outbreak is for all countries to work together in a spirit of solidarity and cooperation. The CDC has confirmed the first case of human-to-human -human transmission of coronavirus in the U.S. Just outside Chicago, the patient, a man in his 60s who contracted it from his wife after she returned from a trip to China and was diagnosed earlier this month. He recently began reporting symptoms and was admitted to the hospital and placed in an isolation room where he is in stable condition. All six American cases are currently in isolation and reported to be in stable to good condition. The Allied Pilots Association sued American Airlines to stop all flights between the U.S. and China, saying in a statement, the safety and well-being of our crews and passengers must also be our highest priority, first, last and always. American and Delta have since taken action, canceling all flights to and from China, but the decision was not made under direct order from the government. I'm not any, uh, aware of any conversations about canceling flights, uh, but look, we're going to monitor it because the... The administration asking U.S. residents to be attentive and cautious, but not to panic. This is currently under control, but really this is a dynamic, rapidly changing uh, event and, uh, you know, the news can change at any given moment. But the resources are deployed, the government's mobilized, and we feel confident uh, and we know the steps to take right now to contain it. Today, the CDC will get the results of the 195 Americans who are in isolation after being evacuated from Wuhan. If it all looks good, they'll soon be released. Back to you, Andrea. Thanks so much, Lorraine. And staying on this topic, Chinese dog owners are scrambling to buy face masks for their furry friends to protect them from the coronavirus, even though health experts are not convinced other species can actually catch this disease. Now, one Beijing-based retailer said sales have skyrocketed for the canine face masks, with 10 times as many flying off the shelves since the virus was detected last month in Wuhan. Sources say wreckage from the helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant has been moved to Arizona. The helicopter crashed in Calabasas, California on Sunday, and officials transported part of the wreckage on a flatbed truck to Phoenix. And that's where the NTSB will continue its investigation into the crash that killed nine people, including Kobe Bryant and his eldest daughter, Gianna. And for the first time since that tragic loss, the Lakers will return to the court in L.A. to host 
the Portland Trailblazers at the Staples Center. The team plans to hold a pregame tribute to the Bryants and the seven others killed in Sunday's helicopter crash. Elsewhere in Southern California, the FBI has raided a Filipino church. Now three leaders are under arrest, charged with running a human trafficking ring. Dulce Castellanos brings us those details. After FBI agents raided the Kingdom of Jesus Christ Church in Van Nuys, California, three church leaders were arrested on suspicion of human trafficking, immigration fraud, and forced labor. The Philippines victims to come over, they thought maybe they would be um, conducting concerts, things like that. Um, and then when they got here, they would take their passports from them. This FBI spokesperson said the church's headquarters are in the Philippines. Supuestamente es una iglesia. They're supposed to be a church and so people trust in them, said this local resident in disbelief. The recollection of money was supposedly for children. However, the FBI says that at least $20 million were sent to the Philippines, but most of that money was actually utilized to maintain the lavish lifestyle of the leaders. Immigrants with a high performance in fundraising were forced to marry fraudulently to retain them in the United States. Authorities suspect victims were held in these residences next to the church. Do you know that they were arrested? I'm not sure. This church member said he was not aware of the accusations. They're not forced to stay here? No. Nobody's forced? Nobody's forced. Some victims who were able to flee reported that those who did not meet fundraising quotas suffered abuse. Authorities continue to investigate and they suspect there could be more victims in other states. In Van Nuys, California, Dulce Castellanos, U News. A new migrant caravan is forming in Honduras. They departed San Pedro Sula on foot heading for the United States this morning. Mexico's foreign minister says migrants lacking proper documentation to enter the country will have the option to apply for refuge. He also denies that Mexico serves as a wall for those whose eventual destination might be the U.S. Now to Mexico, a massive manhunt is underway for a former lieutenant of the notorious drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. Officials right there in Mexico say El Chapo's former chief advisor and two other members of the Sinaloa cartel have escaped from prison, just as they were going to be extradited back to the U.S. Claudia Zurita reports from Mexico City. Three members of the Sinaloa cartel, including a man suspected of being the financier for the sons of jail drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, escaped from a Mexico City prison. The inmates, who were facing extradition to the U.S., walked through five gates before driving off in a prison vehicle. I want to assure you that we don't negotiate or make any type of deals with the mafia. We will follow all leads in this case. Corruption will not be tolerated in any form. President López Obrador stated that although corruption is a huge problem, he's confident on the work of the authorities. I trust Mexico City's government. However, we continue to have problems because money is the devil's mother and father. Victor Manuel Félix Beltrán, El Vic is an influential member of the powerful cartel. U.S. prosecutors also accuse him of being a high-level drug trafficker who shipped cocaine to Chicago. Although they were considered dangerous criminals, they were imprisoned at medium security jail. In 2017, El Vic evaded being transferred to a maximum security prison. This is achieved because they have very skilled lawyers. 
There's money involved, and the daring escape proves it. I'm not sure they will find these fugitives anytime soon. An investigation is underway to find out whether the prison gates were left unlocked or whether the fugitives were provided with keys or instruments to open them. This has happened many times. Mexicans that are facing extradition offer bribes in order to escape from prison. This prison break unveils the deep corruption and the power that the narco exerts on all levels of the penitentiary system. In Mexico City, Claudia Zurita, Unius. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. After hundreds of employees registered health problems and complaints about new uniforms, Delta Airlines says it plans to replace those uniforms. Employees, mostly flight attendants, have filed a federal lawsuit against Land's End, the company that makes the uniforms. They say they've experienced a variety of health problems since Delta introduced these uniforms back in May of 2018, including vocal cord dysfunction, breathing difficulties, skin blisters and rashes, blurred vision, nosebleeds, ringing ears, migraine headaches and fatigue. Delta says tests showed the uniforms were safe. But the lawsuit alleges claims the employees' own tests found chemicals and heavy metals in the material that were far above industry safety standards. And over the next decade, the FCC is promising to spend over $20 billion to push broadband Internet into rural parts of the country. The first phase of the program will kick off later this year and will focus on getting around 6 million homes and business better internet, making $16 billion available to areas that are wholly unserved. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.